Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. travel and lifestyle writer Deborah Stone is back on Big Blend Radio today to talk about her travel adventures in Molokai, Hawaii, and her article about her experience will appear in the spring issue of Spirit of America magazine. Um, In the next few days, you'll be able to get it on nationalparktraveling.com. Debbie is a regular Big Blend expert contributor, and you can see her expert page uh, with links to her articles, I mean, from Newfoundland in Canada, Mm. Newfoundland. West Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Newfin- Uh-oh. We oh, have to have that boy. lesson again. Um, all the way to Baja, California, where she sailed the Sea of Cortez. Uh, so check it out. Go to blendradioandtv.com. Aloha, Debbie. How are you? Oh, Happy New Year. Aloha to you both. I know. Hey. hey. So aloha, reading about Molokai, Hawaii. Aloha means far more than just saying, hey, uh, aloha is more than a hello. Actually, yes. And from what I understand and from what I was taught, aloha really means love, actually. So, you know, it's, it's a spreading of uh, aloha uh, among the islands, and that's what you hear. But it has, been, it has been kind of like, I think, watered down to just be a greeting. But uh, traditionally, it really means uh, love. Oh, Ooh. and wow. So is it like living a lifestyle of love? Is it, is, because it seems like Molokai, there's like a, a very um, – a lifestyle that is really peaceful and that um, yes. everything counts, everything matters, that there's, it's a slower lifestyle, but it means that, you know, there's attention to detail of all life forms, if you will, and history and culture, heritage, all of that. Absolutely. To me, it's, it's, it's just the authenticity of Hawaii and the culture that really centers itself in Molokai. And it's because of the fact that they, the residents there, they really frown upon major development. Um, they don't want the glitz and the glamour of some of the other islands. They don't want the high-rises, the malls. Uh, in fact, there are no stoplights to be found on the entire island, which is hard to even imagine. And uh, it's an island that, to me, it's very traditional, where the culture is thriving, where people are really, um, you know, they're walking the talk, so to speak. And it is filled with so many wonderful, special wonders that, to me, it's a wonder that there are no crowds because of all these incredible places that you can go to. But uh, to me, it's it's kind of a well-kept secret. It's just, uh, in fact, it's a little bit off the beaten path. Most people I know who do go to Hawaii, and I've been going to Hawaii for years, you know, they go to Honolulu, they go to Maui, they go to the Big Island, they'll even go to Kauai, but Molokai is really kind of out there for most people. 
it sounds like something, you know, that like a place we want to go, you know, because I think, and I think nowadays, too, that travelers, and it really isn't even an age thing, um, travelers are really looking for an authentic experience, um, something that is completely exactly. different than, um, here's, you know, the the same brand hotel, I'm not knocking brand hotels, they're there for a reason, and we need them, um, it's just it's right. travelers that are looking for that authentic experience are seeking places like Molokai, and I think it's important that, you know, in your article, you talk about that this is a this is different because the the people that go there need to understand and respect and be light footed on and especially on islands. Right, exactly. And and to me, it's you know when you're there, you really need to have uh, you know patience. The pace does move slowly, but I think that's mm. one of the reasons why right. uh, the people who do, do go there love it. They love that slow pace they they want to escape their crazy hectic lives and uh as, as i say stop and smell the plumeria <laughs> oh yeah now Ooh. now we're oh yay but, see but that that slow down is so important i mean you know there's when we lived in mexico we we got a sense of that living in africa we got a sense of that um right. you know that if when somebody says what are you doing today if you say more than two or three things, they look at you like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? I'm going out to lunch. Well, there's the day. You know, and, and you're supposed to enjoy and relax, and, and you're in a place with beautiful things to look at. You mm-hmm. know, so. Absolutely. It, it really, absolutely. It, you really it do rejuvenate. need to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yep. Tell us a little bit about the one area you went to. You, you called it the Sacred Halawa Valley, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, tell us about yeah, that because pre- this uh, place is so special. It is. It is, and it's um, actually I found out the pronunciation. W is really pronounced V, so it's the Halawa Valley because okay. you know you hear it's Hawaii, you know, instead of Hawaii, which is what I was always calling it, but when. I went over there, I was corrected several times, and it's the Halava Valley, and it's really such a sacred place because it is the the oldest inhabited location on the island, and, uh, you know, it was a center of tarot uh, production, there was lots of temples, there was this thriving population. Um, unfortunately, uh, a pair of tsunamis came in the mid-40s and 50s, and it kind of, I think, pretty much destroyed and decimated uh, the homes along with all the fields. And today it's, uh, there's only about uh, a dozen or so uh, inhabitants that live there, and they live off the grid. And you can visit right. the valley, but you need to take a specific tour. And uh, the one that is, it's a cultural tour that also involves a hike to the falls. But it's uh, the father's son that uh, the father is the eldest, the oldest living inhabitant in the valley today, named Filippo uh, Solitario and his son Greg. And they are both considered kumus, which are uh, teachers, and they are both uh, family cultural practitioners um, that are trying to carry on the culture and to also bring it to people by having them come and see where they live and learn about uh you know, the tarot, learn about the valley, learn about uh, the, the traditions and the practices. And it's a way to keep the culture alive. So it's a fascinating experience uh, to go on this journey, this cultural journey. But getting to the valley is even an adventure itself because the, it's one of these, like, winding roads 
with lots of blinding curves and uh it, but it's spectacular you know gorgeous coastal scenery uh little picturesque charming churches uh it, it's an adventure wow. in itself and when you get there it's just it's, it's such an eye opener and, wow. and and it seems to me like a a real like we were talking about the authentic travel experience but it's really the authentic way to live and being off the grid I can imagine a lot of people want to go there just to see how it's done because we have that movement even here in the States of people wanting to live off of the grid, live off the land, but give back to the land too. So it's not just taking, it's it's putting back and having that circle of life. Absolutely. It's a subsistence uh, way of life. And, you know, they eat the wild animals that are roaming. They have planted fruits and veggies and taro and um you know, in fact, taro, I thought it was very interesting. It was the main staple of uh, the people of Hawaii for so many years, and it was considered a superfood because it has mm-hmm. so much nourishment in it. And um, so this, this uh, father-son, they have these taro patches. They'll explain to you about growing taro. Um, they'll talk to you about um, what happened, how the valley was years ago, and what happened to it. There's, you know, they show you photos of the before and after um, they, it's, it's, to me, it was a fascinating eye-opener. And to get onto their land is such an interesting process. Greg, the sun, blows this conch shell, which is really a, a, a means of communication which lets the visitors or lets the residents know that there are visitors that are coming on their land. And so he blows this conch shell, and his father responds uh, to acknowledge that he's heard it. And then you walk onto the land, and you bring an offering, such as a coconut, that you put at the altar. And when you meet uh, the father, Filippo, he, um, he's chanting, and when he comes to you, and he gives you a nose-to-nose greeting, which is very traditional, and also uh, an exchange of breath, which they call ha, which wow. is the breath of life. And when you exchange this wow. breath, Greg explains that you're not a visitor anymore. You are now uh, embraced within the family. Wow. Wow, that's serious. That's amazing, yeah. So that's, like I said, this is that authenticity, and that's, talk about true hospitality. You know what I mean? It's like, here, now you're one of us, you're with us. Um, tell us a little bit also, you know, you just the, the, I want to talk about the lizard and the waterfall. <laughs> but, you know, I've got a thing about lizards, so as soon as I saw there's a lizard involved, what's going on? <laughs> Uh, it was it was pretty funny because you walk to the falls and uh, you know there's this this uh, very uh, a, a traditional story a legend so to speak that there is this lizard now I did not see the lizard but the lizard is supposedly there and that if you would like to go into this pool that's at the base of the falls there that you have to ask a permission and so you put this tea leaf and it's not T E A it's T I it's a specific uh, tropical plant a leaf a leaf and you float this tea leaf on the um top of the 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 water there and if it floats then you know the lizard is saying please come in and uh, you may use my pond but if it sinks then the answer is going to be no and you need to uh you need to uh, follow that and you need not to go against that and so uh, uh when we were there the uh the leaf did uh, uh uh, float and we were we actually just waded in, but uh, I didn't see the lizard although I was looking very cautiously for him. 
<laughs> wow. That I see I would I'd be all into that. I'd I'd just like leave me alone here all day until I see the lizard. I want to well, meet maybe, the lizard. Maybe right. Like a, um, <laughs> going back in time, it's a forewarning mm-hmm. that you're about to disturb the pond and maybe it's something, you know, I'm trying to think in caveman terms, which is one of my favorite things to do, is, okay, back when we Cave woman Nancy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's like how you communicated <laughs> with nature and animals. And so maybe when you put a leaf, a spe- specific one, it it would show you, first of all, what's the current like today. So if it sinks, maybe yes. it's too dangerous to go in. There's that sediment. It could be that. Or it could be. Um, there's something in the pond, dirty water. more than a, a lizard, maybe something that might right. bite you. That so this could be a warning if it, you know that this is not the right time to go in, or maybe right. it, it could just be politeness to say I'm about to disturb yep. your way of life mm-hmm. because most cultures back in the day before we got so civilized that we didn't care about anything anymore, um, <laughs> used to respect the uh, life forms. Right. I mean, if, even here when you, like, um, in the Southwest and even in California, mm. some of the, the different Native American tribes, when they gather, especially like white sage, um, you know, as part of the ceremonies, they mm. talk to the sage, may I harvest you, you know, there's a, a, a my, respect. There's a respect, but all I know is, this lizard would have saved me from getting bitten on the butt by an eel <laughs> in that one waterfall pond <laughs> in South Africa. I jumped in. Everyone's swimming. Oh I jumped gosh, in as a kid. So funny. And this massive eel, and I'm not kidding, bit me on <laughs> the butt. And I thought someone, it felt <laughs> like someone was pinching several, my butt. Several times. And I go up and down, up and down, and of course it's all rocky. And eventually I got pulled out. Nancy had to help me out, and I'm like a, you know, lanky 13-year-old kid, you know. They pull me out without scratching me out of the, on the rocks, you know. And so Uh. you just put your finger or your hand over the water, and this eel jumped Jumped out, out. and he was... Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better? You really can do it, but nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. No, no. So I vote for the lizard. I want the, you li- should have the lizard floated king. A, you should have floated a leaf. I want the lizard See? and the leaf. <laughs> <laughs> and I will just say hi to all the guys that were with us who were too scared to help me help Lisa out of the pod. Yeah. It, it's, it's a oh, show. that's funny. Screw you guys. <laughs> well, I didn't, we didn't know if it was a snake or an eel. I mean, it's freaky, and I was so well, I've shy. I've never seen an eel like that. And I was, oh. I, Nancy's like, show me your butt. No, <laughs> but like, I, I'm looking. There was teeth marks I, all over. They're like it. suction things, and I still have a scar on my butt. Yep, from the eel. So this it's is a tattoo. As soon as I read this in your article, I'm like, we've got to talk about the lizard and the tea leaf. So, okay, absolutely. Away from and, you, and you know something? 
it, it's, it, it, I think it is all about um, also just asking permission from people, asking exactly. permission from mm-hmm. creatures, asking because you're, you're going onto their land or you're disturbing mm-hmm. their, their home or their environment or whatever or their right. practices. And it's, it's a matter of politeness and respect that you do and that you also mm-hmm. adhere to what the response is, you know. It's about being conscious that you're not the only person in the world. Mm -hmm. You're not the only life form, and everything you do, no matter what it is, every single thing that you do is affecting somewhere, somebody somewhere. Mm -hmm. You really are. So you know, it's it, it, and we lose that that Mm -hmm. consciousness of what we actually do in the world, in both good and bad. I think these kinds of Tours and exchanges are crucial for us mm-hmm. to all have that connectivity, and you know, and I really respect that they're letting people on. And I think there's a fine balance of it. It sounds from from your article and what you're saying too that there is this balance of you know you need to go with the tour. You can't just start traipsing on their land and, and doing you know jumping in, in the in the waterfall without you know doing the tea mm-hmm. leaf. You know, right. But, um, they're also, is Filippo also an artist? Because I was looking at photos that you had of them with paintings and it seemed that there's art going on too. Um, he's not, uh, well, I don't know if he's, he's what he would consider himself to be an artist. I think he um, is uh, very much engaged with uh, some of the traditional arts. Um, when I saw him, he was uh, weaving a basket uh, using leaves. Mm, cool. And um, I think, you know, they do things out of uh, necessity because, you know, if you want something, mm. you have to find a way to make it and uh, mm. not to go to the store and, and buy it. And so I think, uh, you know, there's a, a sense of artisan in that or craftsman in that, but it's also, uh, you know, uh, respecting the traditions of how things were done mm-hmm. and uh, how they were created years and years ago. Mm. Now, mm. you also, um, th- this is, as much as the scenery is beautiful, um, you also took in a lot of history, and you went to Kalau Papa National Historical Park, and I probably said that wrong. <laughs> I think I it's did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's always a language, language lesson. lesson. <laughs> Every show you come on, there's a language yeah. lesson. Cool. <laughs> This language lesson today is Kalapapa. <laughs> Kalapapa. And and you know what's terrible is the acting supervisor of the park was on our show on Wednesday. Um Car- Carrie Mardoff. Really? And she's now the superintendent of Cane River National Historical Park in Louisiana that we've been to and she's like she'd been she's she left Hawaii in September so you would have missed her when you were there. But oh she's like, the difference going from now mm-hmm. now she's running a park that is plantations with slave dwelling mm. homes, uh, slave, slave mm. dwellings and sharecropping homes, and you know it's a different environment, but it also right. tells the history of people. So it's kind of an interesting thing. She said she missed some of the beer that was over in Hawaii. So I don't know if you got to taste any of the local beer, but there was some <laughs> beer over there she missed. But anyway, yes. But the the, the history the history is a, it, tell the history of this because this is something that I had no idea that there really was an island. I know in Louisiana and Mississippi have an island where you know anybody with leprosy was or Hansen's mm-hmm, disease. Mm-hmm. Um, was put on this island because people freaked out and didn't know what this disease was about. But it's still there. It's off of, I think, off of Avery Island or near Tabasco or something like that in uh, Mississippi or Louisiana. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know this about Hawaii. 
Hawaii. Yes. Uh, well, Kalapapa, um, it became a park. I think Jimmy Carter was the one who, who uh, um, announced it or, or um, made it into a park, a historical national park in 1980. But it has such a lengthy history and a very uh, difficult and challenging history in my, in my opinion. But it is, it is one mm-hmm. of these places where it's um, surrounded mostly by ocean. It's um, got these incredibly tall, towering cliffs, and it's really one of the most remote places in Hawaii, which is the reason why it was designated um, to be a settlement there for uh, the Hawaiians who were afflicted with what they call Hansen's disease, which was used to be called leprosy um, years and years ago. And this happened, uh, I think it happened, started coming to the islands in the 1830s, but nobody knew exactly where it came from. Um, but they didn't have, the Hawaiians didn't have the immunities to uh, these types of diseases, and they were very vulnerable to this infection. Mm. And the ruler at the time, who was King Kamehameha V, uh, wanted to really stop the spread of the disease because it was just out of control. So he uh, put into an act uh, everybody who showed symptoms of this disease were uh, required to be sent into exile, so to speak, in isolation. Mm-hmm. And the police would round them up and, and uh, they would be wow. sent to uh, Kalapapa. And it was estimated that I think it was 8,000 people uh, from the time it was uh, started uh, to the time when it was actually uh, when they when they um, stopped uh, enforcing isolation. Um, 8,000 people went to Kalapapa, and the youngest I think was four, and the oldest was uh, over 100 years old. And wow. it, uh, it was a very um, difficult situation because families were just ripped apart. And mm-hmm. when you had a family member who went there, you never knew if you were ever going to see that person ever again. Oh. Um, it was it, the disease was viewed was viewed with such horror from uh, people, and it was associated with such negative um, things like disfigurement and like uh, you know rejection, expulsion from society, and so it had this just this really really negative negative and heavy connotation to it. Um, but what happened there is um, religious groups got involved, and there was a key man uh, who contributed so much uh, to Kalapapa, and that was Father Damien. He has now uh, been canonized, and he is Saint Damien. However, everyone on the island there still refers to him as Father Damien, and he really mm. worked on behalf of these these uh, these people, and he really helped to improve their you know their conditions, and also to to give them. Uh, dignity you know these were human beings and he really mm-hmm. promoted that uh, along with a number of other people mother marianne cope and and a number of people from the catholic brothers and sisters uh, father damien unfortunately contracted the disease and he actually died at the settlement um oh, wow. but wow. they they he, he is his name is is revered i mean it's it's just he's uh, very much looked upon with such respect and adoration from everyone. And um, on Malachi, you can see his footprint. Uh, he built some churches up above, as they say, as well. And uh, wow. so he, you know, he has a really, really important uh, place in Malachi's uh, history. Wow. But isn't it so that that disease is not actually um, catching, or you can't catch it from somebody else? I think that they finally figured out it. I forget what they actually causes it, but 
for so many years, everybody thought that if somebody even looked at you who had it, you could catch it. Right. But I Absolutely. Think, I think In later fact, they... It, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, they did. They did get a cure for. It. I think in the forties, um, they found a cure for it. And but it is. You're right about it. It is one of the least contagious of all the communicable diseases. Mm-hmm. In fact, they say that only about five percent of the world's population are susceptible susceptible to the disease, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to contract. But um, the treatment came about in the 1940s, and uh, then. Um, the finally the state's isolation policy was abolished in 1969 or the forced isolation ended in 1949 uh but the isolation policy was not officially abolished until 69 and a lot of people they, then they were free to leave and many many did but some stayed there because it had been their home for so many years they didn't know anything else and mm-hmm. uh today there are in fact a, a handful i think there's uh, 12 or 14 former patients who are actually residing on site there and uh they will they will live there probably until they they uh, uh mm. die um but they you know people after that they had very much a quality of life and um you know they went on to serve as interna- you know international human rights advocates goodwill ab- ambassadors um, and so you can you can go down there only via a tour. So you can't just uh, you know uh, hike down there on your own and walk around. You have to be a part of a tour. And it's very interesting getting down there. There's a couple of ways to get down there. You can hike the 3.2 mile trail, which is filled with many 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 switchbacks, very rugged. You can take a mule down there, as I did. Or for those who really don't want to spend any of the time, they can fly in on a small charter airplane. Wow, this is interesting. Wow. You know, number one, um, you know, we always talk about this on shows that our national park system, that two-thirds of it is historic and historic sites like this. And and even though you're going to this historic site that's telling the story of the people and medicine, right, it, it's a medicine, right. which, which right. I always find really fascinating that you can go to national parks. I mean, there's national historic parks that we've got, like Gettysburg, that's telling the Civil War story. And then you can go and, you know, there's the, the Selma. You know, there's mm-hmm. that whole trail of right. Selma. There's Civil War stories. There's stories that are very complex. And it, like Cane River National Historical Park, where, mm-hmm. where Carrie is. I mean, we met with one of the sharecroppers and learned what it was like for his family to go from being slaves to sharecroppers and what it was like to grow up mm-hmm. there. And how his family, his parents, went to school with him and his siblings in a one-room schoolhouse, so they all learn together. Mm-hmm. Right. And you just don't think that a national park is going to teach you this kind of thing, you know. So I love that you you went to a park like this. And, and it's also interesting about not being able to just walk in and go through the normal gate or, you know, <laughs> here's your normal right, right. thing. Because, you know, like here in, in southern Arizona, we have Fort Bowie National Historical Park, and that tells the story of Civil War, the Apache Uprisings, the Bascom Affair. I mean, it has so much history there. And, and the Indian Wars with, the you know, Geronimo being captured there. And you can't get there except for this one-and-a-half-mile trek in. And we did it in July because we're smart. Yeah. <laughs> it was, Good for you. Anyway, but people don't realize this. <laughs> you, people don't realize this, and they get out and try and walk this in, in flip-flops. And you're in the Chiricahua Desert. Uh, 
Like there's snakes and tarantulas right. and things. Scorpions. And, and <laughs> but don't be scared. It's beautiful. <laughs> Just wear put your boots. shoes on. <laughs> Take a walking stick with you. Be aware. But right. it's like, and it's trippy. But and don't go in July. Yeah, don't go <laughs> in July. Necessarily. But it's yeah. actually really beautiful because the monsoons. But <laughs> but true. now you're going on mules. And when, as soon as I saw the photos of, of the mules ride, yeah, I'm going, yeah, cool. now Debbie's been, you know, you've been hiking the Grand Canyon. Did you, I mean, because you're going, it's rugged with all these switchbacks. You know, getting on a mule, some, I mean, if that's your first time, that could freak you out a little bit. <laughs> I think, you know, I'm normally a hiker, and you're right, I'm, I'm not necessarily a mule rider. Um, Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to, because you can do it, if you have the right tools, and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. I love the playoffs. Anything can happen. But the best part? It's like bonus football. And bonus football means betting bonuses with Gambit DC. For a limited time, get up to a 57% multi-sport parlay boost on the Gambit DC app, online, or at any Gambit DC retail location throughout the district. It's the most exciting time to be a fan. So make your play and get the whole field advantage with Gambit DC. Limited time offer, terms and conditions apply. Please buy responsibly. I, uh, the day that we, uh, you know, that I was going to go, I was thinking about hiking, but, you know, I was told it was extremely muddy and very... Uh, arduous and you need to get down there at a certain time if you want to join the actual tour as well so i decided you know what maybe i'll do this mule thing and uh so uh it was it to me it was it was you know definitely one of those you know almost close your eyes kind of thing because you know you just have to trust you have to trust this sure-footed animal that is you know in the mud and slipping and sliding as well but you have to trust this animal to get you you know around these switchbacks and get you down and believe me you get down and you're just like oh my gosh I made it I can't believe you know and you're looking at your trusted (laughs) you know mule and you're like thank you thank you thank you and then you're like and I have to go back up on this thing as well (laughs) but but, but, you know it is such a beautiful beautiful journey to go down though you know you you see this incredible uh, landscape from up above and as you're going down through it you know you get glimpses more glimpses of it and the beautiful ocean and the coastline and these towering cliffs and uh, mm. you know to me it's it is part it is all part and parcel of this whole experience wow this is this is like a journey i mean this i mean when you go out on adventures i mean you you take this seriously i mean you don't mess around i mean <laughs> newfoundland i mean you're kissing fish drinking rum going to viking villages in Mexico, you're on a small boat hanging out with whales and hiking through cactus that people don't always see. <clears throat> this one, you're on mules, you know, hanging out in history and, and playing with lizards and tea leaves and waterfalls. But then, <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. So then on the other side, you're like, okay, and now there's more to do. Like, you're going to go see an old sugar mill. And that's something, you know, Hawaii, mm. I, Hawaii, excuse me, that sugar cane is like, you know, it's like Africa. I grew yeah. up with sugar cane sugar all cane around me and, everywhere. and eating it as a kid and chewing it and spitting it out at your friends. <laughs> it was like the way to do things, but <laughs> you do. But so you, you saw one of those old historic sugar mills. This is pre exactly. the and, big and, and, corporate things. <laughs> 
And this was, you know, one that was built by a German immigrant, I think, back in the, you know, latter part of the 1800s. And, uh, you know, they've they've refurbished it, but it gives you a good idea of what it was like back then. And it's right nearby the Malakai Museum and Cultural Center, which is also uh, one of these really wonderful little jewel boxes of uh, uh, museum that uh, has historical exhibits and some films, and you can talk to the folks there. And it, to me, that's a great way also to walk back in time. And there's all sorts of wonderful other things to do on Molokai. You can learn everything you want to learn about macadamia nuts at uh, Purdy's Mac Nut Ooh. Farm, uh, which is, is fun. And uh, you can go to um, see the old uh, ancient fish ponds. You can go to um, one of the royal coconut groves. You can go to a, uh, uh, the kite factory on the other side of the uh, uh, island. And then, you know, the main drag, so to speak, is uh, Kanakakai, which is the commercial hub. And, uh, you know, you go there for supplies. You go there if you, um, you know, want uh, to go to the visitor center. The Malakai Visitor Center is there to get some uh, maps or to get answers to your questions. There's a, some sh- a few shops. Um, and notably there, the experience, one of the most Malakai-only traditional experiences is to go to the Kanamatsu, the kan- is I think it's Kanematsu Bakery, where at night you uh, stand in line, you go down this this alleyway, and you think, where am I going? It's kind of yeah, right. <laughs> odd. I'm walking down this darkened alleyway, and then you see this, these lights, and you see these people standing in line who are waiting to buy this incredible hot bread straight from the oven that they make, and that they sell every wow. night, and you can buy these loaves of these breads, and you can buy them. They're they're like really soft and pillowy, and they're you can get them slathered with all kinds of things like butter and cinnamon and cream cheese and jam, and it's and you eat it when it's hot because that's the only way to do it, and it's unbelievable. And they they also have these incredible um, taro, these glazed taro donuts that are also great. It's a good a good sugar buzz, good sugar fix. <laughs> we like that. We like that. But then. Uh, you got into you got into the ice the um, Dave's Hawaiian ice cream. That was a big deal oh for you. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh yes, wow! It was incredible! I wanted to try everything, but my favorite had to be that um, that ube flavor, which is a uh, it's like a purple um, sweet potato made with purple yams, and it's so good, and it's like bright purple, and it's it just was. Wow. My favorite thing, and I, you know, I went back to to Dave's a couple of times. <laughs> and it's actually ice cream, and it's ice cream. Yeah, absolutely, it's Made ice out. cream. Yep, and very creamy. Yep, yep, and it's not wow. too sweet. And they also do all sorts of really uh, unusual, but you know, kind of tropical Hawaiian uh, based uh, flavors. A zuki bean. They had like a green tea. They had like a. Um, uh, a Hawaiian oh. a taro type of pudding. It was, it was, you know, like coconut and just wonderful tropical Hawaiian infusions. And I believe me, I like I said, I, I made myself at home at Dave. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So what? What about where you stayed? Because you know, I know this is a this is a smaller island, so you're not like with chain hotels and things, right? Exactly. And and actually, there is only one. Uh, hotel that is active there. It's called the Hotel Molokai, and it's right on the the water. It's really 
quaint. It's very, I think, Hawaiian funky, uh, and it's a wonderful place only because the, it's, to me it's very traditional, very authentic, and also there's you know wonderful live music at night, and people gather oh. around the pool and for a happy hour, and it's you know just but to me it was you know it's very laid back. And like I said, there's no glitz or glamour, but if you can't get into the hotel or if you prefer a different type of accommodation, then they have, um, you know, uh, you can get um, like vacation rental by owner. Um, There are a few condominiums there that are also for rent, Uh, but they really try very hard not to, you know, have, uh, you know, these huge, huge complexes of anything. So really it's to me, once again, a way of keeping things you know the roar down so to speak mm, i like that yeah i think and it just i think it, it slows things down and people can actually like we said that connectivity happens you know one thing um i thought was really interesting that you included was that there's a you know because a lot of people travel and do volunteer work and and it's actually right. and it's hard to actually find authentic volunteer work and that's something that's important because mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a story like I don't know if you've seen the documentary Blood Lions, and uh, people think they're going over to uh, work with lions in an orphanage in South Africa, and it turns out you're in a breeding farm that they're breeding animals to be um, canned hunted and things like that. Not to put a damper mm. on anything here, but when you've, you've been somewhere and you've actually seen something and can say, hey, this is a volunteer opportunity, and obviously no one's being killed in this one, but you know, th- it's important that. Um, when you, because you are paying money to travel out there to know if you're going to go and do good and this is going to be your working holiday, which is really cool because that is one of the best ways to get to know the people, the mm-hmm. land. I mean, you get, it's like living there for a little bit and just really connecting. But to find authentic um, volunteer, you know, vacations um, is a big deal. You it, need to you check it really out. really have to know. And so I really was glad to see that, you you know met with people and got to see something uh, through the Molokai Land Trust. So uh, when you go out there, you're actually helping more on the environment and and nature with this. Absolutely, it's a. I think it's a, it's really a it's, it's a major dune restoration project that they have at the Mokio Preserve, and it's a private nonprofit conservation organization, Mokio, and it's um, they're trying to restore the native ecosystem. Um, and it's on the northwest side of the island, gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous views from this particular place. But the staff members will take you out there. You can go out the day for the day, and you have to go out with them. You can't go there by yourself, mm-hmm. and um, it's, a, it's a, a fairly rough road that they use a four-wheel drive to get out. And you spend the day working side-by-side side with the, the staff, and you help to you weed, you collect seeds, you remove invasive species, uh, sometimes you help with fence work, uh, other types of activities. But it's, it's a way, I think, to, a great way to interact with the community and the island, as well as give something back, um, feel, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. useful, um, feel that you have, you know, made some sort of relationship with the island beyond being what mm-hmm. I consider a tourist. Exactly. And I think that's what we're all trying to get away from is being the typical tourist. You know, we, there's a, 
you, you right. know that that look, <laughs> you know, and mm. and listen, everyone, that's you know, pickpocketers know you when you have that look. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they, they, they head right for they you. Know. But, <laughs> you know, but this is like you're saying when you get to know the island, and you, and then that is you know when you're talking about going up and getting like the the nose hello, um, you know, getting to understand, and and now you're part of the family. I think when you do give back, you you leave part of yourself there. Now you're more connected when you leave. You're going to remember that, and so with this with uh, or working with the Molokai uh, Land Trust, again, for Mokio Preserve, um, is that something you can do, like, hey, I'm going to spend a day doing this, or is it like you're you're signed up for six months or something like that? No. You can, it, pretty much people go out there for a day, um, or sometimes, you know, if they're staying on Molokai, say they're staying on Molokai and maybe they're there for 10 days and, you know, they would like to help uh, a couple of the days. It's pretty much up to them. There is no, you know, enforced time agreement. You go out for the day, you go out with the staff, and then you come back with the staff at the end of the day. But, no, your commitment, you know, is only, you know, day by day unless you say, you know, I'm going to be out here and I am actually going to be, you know, staying for quite a while, and I'd like to, you know, do this on a consistent mm-hmm. basis during my time. Uh, you work with them. They're very, very um, agreeable to any type of uh, arrangement. They are very much welcoming any hands that are uh, willing to help uh, with that project. And what is interesting is, is the people who have gone out there um, and have done work, and then maybe they come back the next year, and they see mm-hmm. what the, you know the transformation that has occurred, mm. and it's amazing because mm. they they can say, "Oh, I really helped. I helped with that." And yes. that, you know that mm-hmm. that that species are re- species are returning to this area that have been gone for so long. You know, and it's just it's. I think to them, it's it's very satisfying for them to see that they've made a certain mark in terms of that, and that that they see the productivity that has occurred. So, um, according to the director, that when people do come back, they they are so gratified that they have that their work has made some sort of a significant difference. That's excellent. That's so neat. I love that. Now, would you go back to Molokai? Absolutely, in a heartbeat. <laughs> well, don't forget to, to pack us in your suitcase. We're yeah, little. really. No, we're not. <laughs> but, <laughs> get the extra large suitcase, you know, for each of us. But, but I mean, this sounds like such an amazing place. So, when you flew out there, um, do you? I mean. Can you give anybody some ideas of, you know, kind of where it is? Do you have to land in Honolulu first, or what happens from that? You do have to land at one of the islands. You can um, land in Honolulu and come. You can come from Maui. Uh, They used to have ferry service. There is no longer any ferry service. You do have to um, fly in. Um, So I I was in Maui prior to this trip and uh, took a very, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those small, tiny planes uh, that that have service there, and that's the way that you you get there. Um, So you have to, you know, you have to make the effort to get there. Um, you can't, you know, fly nonstop from, you know, the the uh, as we say, the lower 48 or the rest of the <laughs> the, uh, mm-hmm, the states right. to fly nonstop to Molokai. So um, you do have to make that effort. But I think, not I think, but I know that when people do go to Molokai, they feel such a such a sense of of a reward of having made that effort because they realize that this is a such a special, such a unique place and if they take the time to really um, enjoy it and to talk to people and to get to know the island I think that they will come away with with one of the most memorable vacation experiences ever 
Excellent. It Excellent. sounds wonderful. It really does. And I just I want to go. I want to go meet the people and I want to go <laughs> hang out with the mules, you know. But I just yeah, the beach. I want to go. I want to go volunteer, quite frankly, because you know, cause, you know I, here's the thing about that volunteer thing. I was thinking about too. Like Nancy and I don't garden anymore because we live in a small place because we're we're travelers. You know, we don't we right. we, we we do kind of garden, but. I always think that, you know, people that love to get their hands in the soil, like, I just want to go volunteer. You know, when we were yeah. traveling for three years, I just wanted to say, listen, you know, can I come play in your garden for yeah. half an hour? Can I come play I'll dig something? holes. I'll do any of the hard work that you don't want to do. And so to me, like this volunteer mm. experience, I want to go back and do that because, I don't know, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm like hankering. Like, I want to get out and, and, and garden is so cool. Yeah. You know, so it's, but except for I have a hard time pulling anything out. Like I, I know, feel like, oh, you're alive, even though you're invasive. These are so pretty. Yeah, <laughs> they are. So, so Debbie, if you were going to go back, what would you do that you didn't get to do? You know, I I got to do in terms of sights and and experiences. I mean, mm-hmm. I I really got to spend really good quality time. I think. Mm-hmm. I would, because now that I've seen and done and been, I would just go and be on the island and mm-hmm. really just take the time uh, to uh, savor it and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not to feel like a tourist and that I needed to do everything in the time allotted. I would go back and just, you know, really just enjoy that slow pace and um, enjoy the beaches and, and just, I think, maybe spend more time talking to the people and just really savoring that whole experience. Um, I think anytime you visit a place for the first time, you try so hard to, to get a grasp on everything and to see everything and do everything, um, especially as a travel writer. Um, I feel it's my responsibility in that respect. But when I go and make a return visit, it, it, I, think it, it's the, I think the emphasis of trying to see and do everything is now lifted, and now I can actually just really, truly savor. And I would go back, and I would do exactly what you're speaking of in terms of volunteering and, and maybe even finding other routes to volunteer there uh, if I was going to stay there for a while. You know, there's, there's, it's a long time ago in Kenya, uh, a waiter in a Kenyan restaurant told me how they automatically knew an American from any other culture in the world. And because Kenya, too, you it takes 45 minutes just to get your order in some restaurants, not because they're <laughs> overly busy, just because what's your hurry? You know, you're supposed to be enjoying right. yourself and drinking and talking and looking at the wildlife or wherever you happen to be. And his thing was there's two things that told him you're an American. One was as soon as you sit down, you pick up the menu and read it like a Bible, and you start looking (laughs) around from side to side. Your head goes back and forth and back and forth, and you're looking, looking like you've done your reading. Why isn't somebody there? That's the first body language. (laughs) And the second one was tapping of the toe, especially men. Women don't tap their toes, men do. So it's like when the man is looking side to side and has read the menu and he's tapping the toe, you know that you better go take the order because that's the American way. And it's really funny, you know, because the slow down thing, it takes about three days to to slow down. Mm -hmm. You have to detox. You have to detox. It's so Mm -hmm. funny. You really really do. I go to a restaurant, I look around and I'm like, Okay, here you go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think 
think, do, when you go and volunteer, do they give you like a Hawaiian cocktail afterwards? I want to know about this Hawaiian beer and beverages <laughs> thing. You talked about bakery and ice creams and you know all that, but now what about the what about the beverages department? That's important, Debbie. There is, I mean, I and, and and I don't recollect, but there is, you know, there are there there are Hawaiian beer, but you know, all the wonderful tropical uh, cocktails mm. that you can get, all the fruit brews and umbrella drinks that you yeah. you can possibly uh, drink are there, so you can imbibe quite well. And I think after a, a day of volunteering, you deserve a a beer or definitely any type of uh, uh, libation that you would like to. Uh, indulge in you know and i think that they you you would probably even you know get to uh join in with others who are doing that i think anytime you go to and there's a few restaurants on the islands not a lot but there's a few but you can go in there and uh i think if you make yourself open and accessible to people uh they they see that and uh they're more they they're more accessible to you and they're more interested in talking to you as opposed to coming in and like you say acting like a tourist or even uh, you know in terms of an impatient tour an impatient tourist who you know mm-hmm. believes that they should be ser- served right away and and uh be given the attention right away i think we as a culture need to to focus more on the quality of an experience and uh i'm the first one to to you know be be reminded of this because uh, you know, I too go into places and say, "Oh, well, you know, where, where's that waiter?" Or, you know, isn't there somebody going to come take my order? And, you know, I, I have to be reminded of that. I really have to be reminded of that. And I remember well, when we're, I was, um, yeah. Go no, ahead. I was just saying. I was just saying. I was. I remember when I was rafting in the Grand Canyon on another trip a number of years ago. That it really took, like you were saying, it takes a couple of days. It's funny because people yeah. would go. And you you would watch these people, and first of all, they couldn't access any internet or anything down down in the the Colorado River in the canyon, and so they were first frantic almost. And then you see like you know day two go by, and, and day three you realize you know you see these people and they've realized hey okay I can't get any any email I can't get any cells I'm just gonna relax now. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yippee. I like. I know, man. I like that. I like you know yeah. Uh, Debbie, thank you so much for joining us again. And everyone, again, Debbie's article on Molokai will be featured in the spring issue of Big, Bla- uh, excuse me, Spirit of America magazine, and uh, that will be coming out in early February. And you can get that if you go to nationalparktraveling.com and you can sign up for our newsletter. That's the best way. Um, also, you can keep up with Debbie. See her expert page on blendradioandtv.com. And she's also a member of the International Food Wine Travel Writers Association. So go to ifwtwa.org. Did I say that right? See? Um, yes, you did. Go there and look under members, and you can see her there. So you can see all her profiles. So uh, everyone, again, uh, Debbie uh, Stone, again, and that was all about Molokai. And go to, for the website for Hawaii, Hawaii, go Hawaii.com forward slash Molokai. So go check that out. Cool. Thanks so much, Debbie. What a great story, man. You, you got us ready to travel. Okay. Thank you so much for having me, and aloha to you ladies. Aloha to you too. Mahalo. <laughs> okay. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
I really want to go there, man. That mm. sounds beautiful. I know. Molokai sounds beautiful. And, you know, we're going to go to California next to La Jolla. And so we've got a special song to play for that because we've got Chef Bernard joining us. We've got mm. Sue Montgomery talking about the Marine Room in beautiful La Jolla. So here's a special song. It's called Going to California. Well, it's California Days, excuse me. Uh, California mm-hmm. Days by Josh Fiver. And because he sings about what it's like to be in California, the ocean, La Jolla. So we got to do an ode to La Jolla. So here it is, California Days by Josh Pfeiffer, and it's off of his album America Crooner, Act One. And then we'll chat with Chef Bernard and Sue Montgomery about this amazing landmark restaurant where you can sit and have the ocean meet you at your dinner table, literally. <laughs> Stay <laughs> tuned. <laughs> California day Where the sunshine Smiles on every face Where the ocean breezes blow And the swaying palm trees grow I love California day Take a drive on down the coast Find the things you love the most From the Golden Gate To La Jolla Bay Everybody knows it's true So there's nothing you can do But pack your bag And head on down this way California Day Everybody knows it's true 
So there's nothing you can do But pack your bags And head on down this way To California Day To California Day 